Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. <clears throat> Particularly in person and having live worship has been fantastic. Um, we don't have that down at Wickham. We still have pre-recorded, so it was special for me this morning to be with you and to experience that for the first time since the very first lockdown. I'm being told that I need to push this closer to my mouth. There we are. How's that? Is that any better? I prefer not to use the handheld if necessary. But is that better? Yeah, okay, cool. <clears throat> so today, <clears throat> I've been asked to speak about the body of Christ, and I'm going to be basing it around the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm going to read selected verses. If you've got a Bible, you might like to follow me. I'm going to jump around a bit. I'm going to read verse 1, verse 4, verse 7, and then verse 12 to verse 26. The Apostle Paul writes, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There's on in verse 4, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then down from verse 12 to the end, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If there were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I guess that we've all been affected in different ways through this pandemic. <clears throat> Holiday plans disrupted, for example. Special family occasions missed. Unable to visit people in hospital. Uh, one of our grandchildren contracted sepsis not that long ago. We couldn't visit her in hospital. It was a very troubling time. And one of the low points for me was conducting a funeral where it was limited to six people. And so 
the, no one was allowed to sit to beside the grieving spouse. That was very tough. The medical professionals are telling us that COVID is something that we're going to have to live with. In addition, there's a divide between those who are very happy to get vaccinated and those who don't want to get vaccinated. And I can't see that getting any easier either. Who knows how it's all going to turn out? One thing for sure is it's produced fear and uncertainty. But having said all that, it's an opportunity for the church to respond positively with the good news and both word and deed. As the apostle Peter said at one time, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. In verse 7 of the passage I've just read, Paul writes, Now each one, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And when we read the Acts of the Apostles, we see that the gifts of the Spirit were used in the church, obviously, but not confined to being used in the church. They were used in the wider community as well. Even at one time, people brought the sick so that if Peter's shadow went over them, they'd be healed. We read the Acts of the Apostles, so the common good doesn't simply just apply to the church, but applies, I believe, to the wider community as well. At Wickham, we run a ministry for those caught up in alcohol and drug addiction. Pre-COVID, we would serve a meal to about 30 guests in one of our halls at the back of the King Center. But because of COVID, we weren't allowed to do that. So what we did in the winter months was we were able to serve two at a time outside with a, with a hot meal that they could take away. Since there's been an easing a bit of the lockdown, we've been able to have two at a time coming inside the building uh, and that kind of thing in order to, to give them a meal. It's an opportunity, the point is this, to do good, to give a sense of dignity to those who've lost it. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I felt the Lord speak to me and give me a picture of a chrysalis. You know, when the caterpillar turns into a chrysalis. And I felt the Lord saying to me, during the lockdown, it may feel as if you are locked up in the dark, unable to move, as if nothing's happening. But actually, we know that in the chrysalis, there is something remarkable going on. And one day, it won't be a chrysalis. It will open up and it will become a beautiful butterfly. And I felt the Lord saying, no, I'm, I'm still at work. I'm still at work in the church, even during this difficult time. Well, you may feel constrained, you may feel in the dark, and one day the church is going to emerge even more beautiful than before. And for this ministry that I uh, mentioned at, at King's, which we call King's Table, for those caught in, in drug addiction, we need many gifts for it to run. We need the gift of leadership. We need the gift of serving. We need the gift of encouragement, because the team need lots of encouragement. We need the gift of mercy. We want to show mercy to those who come. We want the gift of discernment. We hear many stories, some of them true, some of them perhaps not true. We need the gift of discernment. We need the gift of prophecy. We want to be able to speak into these people's lives. We want the gift of giving. The church has to give in order for the ministry to function. We'd also like to develop the gift of the word of knowledge, the message of knowledge, to have insight, divine insight into people's lives. I'd long to have that. The gift of wisdom, to be able to speak into people's lives who are locked in, in order for the doors of freedom to open for them. So we need many gifts. It's not simply the guests that we're ministering to, but the teams that run it need ministering to 
as well. And it all needs to be wrapped up in the love of God. You know, in verse 7 it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the first thing I want to say this morning is this. It's very simple. You matter. If you hear nothing else this morning from my talk, hear this. You matter. Let's put it another way. You are significant. You are important. I'd go further than that. I would say you are invaluable. You are a key part of what God is doing. You matter. Now, you know that I'm not saying this so we can strut around saying, oh, look at me, I'm very important. Uh, you better treat me with the respect I deserve. No, I'm saying that you're a key part of what God is doing because it's true. And sometimes the circumstances of life and our accuser, the devil, will tell us otherwise. You don't get the promotion you'd hoped for, perhaps. Or the exam results you wanted. Or the job you really wanted. Or you fail your driving test. <laughs> or you can't find the spouse that you'd really like. Or maybe your children have caused you terrible problems and maybe it's still going on. Or you're made redundant. Or you're made to feel redundant. I heard that about someone recently, how badly they were treated at work. And ugh, I felt for that person. We can suffer from low self-esteem because of what was said and done to us in the past. We can be the victim of racism. We may feel unappreciated in our job or at home or taken for granted. And all sorts of reasons. We may feel we're getting so old, what can I do? I'm getting towards the end of my life now. And actually, to be fair, I'm nearer the end than I am at the beginning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if that's true of you as well, but I'm sure it's true of many of us. But the point is this, there are all sorts of reasons for you and me to feel that what we may have to give is of little value. And our enemy, the devil, whispers to us, they can do better than you. And so if we're not careful, we slowly, creepingly agree. And we can compare ourselves unfavorably with others. But the truth, dear friends, is this, you matter. Verse 7 again, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So who does that include? Each one. Are you included? If you're part of the body of Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior? Yes, each one. Now when the Holy Spirit <clears throat> began to re-inspire the church in the early 1970s, he brought a renewed understanding of the fact that Christians collectively constitute the body of Christ and that each believer is part of that. In those early days of what was known as the charismatic renewal, and I can remember the very first meeting I went to in Penn in a house called Living Waters, and I had no idea. I was just a very fresh Christian, just been born again very recently, and somebody said to me, do you want to go to this meeting in Living Waters? I had no idea what Living Waters was. Nothing. So I went. But I remember. I remember this. It was a sunny day, a bit like today. It was in the summertime. And uh, people were in a circle, a small circle, maybe 20 people. I'm not sure, 20, 30 possibly. And uh, they were in a circle. I think they were standing up when I went in. There was praise going on. And I got connected there. That's how I got connected to the church. But in those days, there was no like there is here now. There was no fantastic building like there is here now. There was no stage. There was nobody leading the meeting. 
There was nobody leading the worship. And so there was a dependency in a sense. And the reason for that was this, because the Holy Spirit was bringing a renewed sense of the body of Christ, that each member has got a part to play. Now, we've moved on since those days. Praise the Lord, we've got fantastic buildings, premises. Praise the Lord, we've got excellent musicians, good leadership, a wonderful setting in which we can meet together. Fantastic. I love it. But there is a danger in that. There is a danger in that we as the congregation can think, okay, we've got the leaders here. They're doing the stuff. In fact, we're paying them to do it, some of them anyway. So I can just enjoy. It's what I call theater church. Now, this is what we don't want to become. And I'm not saying that you're in danger of it, but let me just point it out anyway. Um, we don't want to become theater church. By that, I mean, here's the, here's the stage. We come in to the auditorium, as it were, and we enjoy the show. You know, we, we clap, or we sing, or we, we enjoy what's going on, but it's simply theater church. That's not what Jesus wants for you and me. It's not what Jesus wants for the church. He wants every single member of his body to be actively involved in the gifts and calling to which he's given them. Just think about this, my dear friends. Think about this, that before the foundation of the world, Jesus had you in mind. That's a stunning. You're not here by chance. You're not here by accident. Even in this room, your life is certainly not by chance, not by accident, regardless of what's been said to you before. And I've heard terrible things said to little children. You are an accident. Ah! What a terrible thing to say to a child by a parent. You were an accident. Oh, that's so horrible. I want to tell you this. You're not an accident. You're here by divine will. The creator of the ends of the earth who does not faint or grow weary, whose wisdom is unsearchable. From before time began, he planned that you would be here today, this morning, and that he has a purpose and plan for your life to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. Let's not become theater church. That's not what Jesus wants for us. And in addition to that, it's so easy. I found this COVID thing horrible. I don't like it. You know, it was the first couple of weeks watching the meetings on TV. Yeah, it was novel. But 18 months down the line, I'm fed up with it. I'm fed up sitting at home watching on the telly. And even when I go to the, the meeting down at Wickham, a lot of it is just pre-recorded. Eh? The worship's all pre-recorded. So you, you may not be sitting at home watching on the telly, but you're sitting in the auditorium watching a big screen. Now, it's better than nothing. Let's be grateful for all the technology, and we are grateful for all the people who work hard to make this happen. There's no substitute for being together, is there? <laughs> There's no substitute for that. Anyway. Paul says this in verse 12, just as a body, in verse 14, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. We know that all parts of the human body are necessary. There's some gruesome things in the Bible. If you uh, have read the whole Bible, you'll see there are some gruesome things. So if you don't like any gruesome things, you might like to plug your ears at this point. But one of the gruesome things that occurs in the Bible is that one, uh, the captured kings had their thumbs and 
big toes cut off. 30 kings, I think you can read about that somewhere in the Old Testament. And they used to do that in the olden days. They did that in order to incapacitate, well, humiliate, and incapacitate the, the kings of the day. Now, I tend to take my thumb very much for granted, but I have my big toes. But apparently, if you don't have your big toe, it's a lot more difficult to walk. And if you don't have your thumbs, it's a lot more difficult to pick things up and all that kind of stuff. The point is this, you matter. You matter. We're all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. I'm so blessed as well, and and you are too, at King's, down through the years in Wickham. I've met many people from different nations, and I was thinking about this the other day. I've met people from Nigeria, Ethiopia, Ghana, South Africa, New Zealand, Sri Lanka, India, Pakistan, Nepal, the Philippines, Hong Kong, Brazil, Ecuador, Argentina, Syria, the United States, most European countries, and even Reunion Island. Now, I met this young man from Reunion Island. I said, where are you from? Reunion Island. I thought, I vaguely heard of Reunion Island, but I have no idea where it is. This was a few years ago. So when I got home, I looked it up. Small group of islands, 300 miles from east of Madagascar. And I thought, how on earth did someone from Reunion Island get to Wickham, (laughs) of all places? Anyway, people from different cultural and social backgrounds displays the richness of the church. Certainly no room for prejudice of any kind in the church. Now, the beauty of Revelation says, I looked and there before me is a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So regardless of where you come from, what your social status is, what your ethnicity is, you are of value, you matter, you're significant, you're important because you're part of God's plan. So whatever may have been said to you, however you may have been dismissed in the past, God does not dismiss you. He includes you. He says, welcome, come. I have a plan. I have a purpose for your life that I want to see fulfilled. You matter. How do we know we matter? We matter because, I'm going to show you an illustration now of a picture here. Right, there it is. Um, sometimes I must admit I feel a bit like that. And uh, it's not the kind of thing that if I went awake up first thing in the morning that I'd like to be looking out on my bedroom wall. However, however, somebody did. And in fact, in this next picture, you'll see this painting was sold in May 2017 at Sotheby's for over 79 million pounds. Now, I looked this up. You could buy about 35 bedroom detached properties in Amersham for that, and nice ones too. (laughs) It was the highest price ever paid at auction for a work by an American artist, and it was purchased by this gentleman, whose name is Yasuka Mizawa. He's a Japanese billionaire, and he felt that this painting was worth all the money he spent on it. He chose it. Well, dear friend, something greater has happened to you and me, and it's this, Jesus has chosen you. And he has paid a greater price than 79 million pounds. He paid the price of his precious blood in order to bring us to become part of his body. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Dear friends, 
It cost Jesus Christ his lifeblood in order for us to become part of his body. Thank you, Lord, that you did that for us. Thank you, Lord, that you consider that we matter. Now, the body is made, not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And, and the Apostle Paul points us out earlier, the hand and the foot, the foot could say, well, I'm depressed. I carry the weight of the body. I don't have the flexibility of the hand. I can't do as much. I'm not public like the hand. Therefore, I'm not important. The hand could say, well, I'm important than you, the foot, because I am seen. I do public things. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous. But God, in fact, has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. Not haphazard, not a mistake, but divinely planned. Dear friends, you're divinely planned. And you matter. You, dear friends, you bring something unique to the table that no one else can bring. You might not feel like it, but I want to tell you that this is the truth. You bring something to the table that nobody else can. That's not a reason for us to be puffed up, but it is a reason for us to rejoice because it's part of God's plan and purpose for each of us. And of course, it's not just you, us as individuals that matter, but we matter as a body. Verse 18, 19, 20. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And we know that Christ is the head of the body. So we need, as a church, to be connected to Christ as the head of the body. My father-in-law, who is one of the most godly men I have ever met, and he used to lead the church, King's Church at Wickham, he would, one of the refrains, his refrains was this, Jesus must always be at the heart of what's going on. Jesus must always be at the center of what's going on in the church. So true, the church must be connected to Christ. Christ must be elevated. Christ is the heart. Christ is the center. Christ is the head. And we need to have him always at the center of what we're doing. Because just like the human body needs to be connected to the head, otherwise it's not going to function properly, so we need to be connected to Christ as a people. And then Paul goes on in verse 22 to talk about honor. He talks about those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. He says, the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. My lungs, my heart, my stomach seem to be weaker. They need protecting by the ribs, by the rib cage. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. In the natural body, we treat certain parts with more modesty. I overheard a conversation that my wife was having with my daughter. Just after I'd been studying this and looking up to see what the experts said about this verse... And uh, my wife was talking with my daughter, and they were talking about something I'd never heard about before. You may have heard about it, about modesty pants. Anybody ever heard of modesty pants? A few, okay. So they were, they were talking, so my ears pricked up at that point, because I've just been reading about that, about modesty. In the natural body, we treat certain parts with more modesty. Even in the tribes, say, in the equatorial rainforests, you know, they treat certain parts of the body. They may run around with less clothes than we do, but they do treat certain parts of the body with greater modesty, even if it's only a small loincloth. 
But God has combined the members of the body, has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. The point is this, there is honor going on. Everyone, and I love this too, everyone is treated with dignity and respect, regardless of their ability, regardless of their appearance, regardless of how important we may feel that they are. They're to be treated with dignity and respect so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. We honor by caring. We honor by taking the focus off ourselves. And that's hard. It's hard to take your focus off yourself, especially if you've got some problems and issues and who hasn't. To take a focus off ourselves and to put it onto other people, that's a way in which we can care for other people by looking to their interests and not simply our own. And as we do that, Jesus said, well, by this all men will know that you're my disciples <laughs> if you have love for one another. So just to finish, what do we need to do? Well, we need to first of all align our thinking with the truth. You matter. You matter. You are significant. You are important. You are unique. You bring something to the table that no one else can bring. Can you align yourself with that truth today? Regardless of what you feel, regardless of your past, regardless of what may have happened to you, the truth is this, you matter. Together, of course, we matter. You know, God's got an A plan for the world. And the A plan is this, it's the church. You might say to the Lord, well, what's your B plan? Looking at the church, the state of it sometimes, what's your B plan, Lord? I haven't got a B plan. <laughs> the A plan is the church. Yeah, we make mistakes, but we're still God's A plan. So we honor, we rejoice in the rich diversity that makes us the body of Christ. And we esteem one another because it helps to keep the body fit and well in order to fulfill the purposes of God. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have in your wisdom and in your... Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.